Evolution.org podcast coming your way. This is number 332. We have a special part one and part two Q&A, which is going to be 332 in this one and then 333 in the next one. The next one is going to be, we're going to kind of lead into the next one. It's going to be really interesting questions that are the most asked questions on the forums that nobody else talks about. Right, Rick? How you doing, buddy? Hey, what's up, Steve? What's up, guys? How's everybody doing out there? We're having a real special uh, two-part extended Q&A. We've just seen so many interesting questions on our forums here that we frequent uh, pretty much the last two weeks is a lot of activity. Maybe a lot of guys uh, home from quarantine or whatever it is, but a lot of activity, a lot of great questions, and we wanted to address them. Now, guys, uh, there are two great forums everybody should visit, EliteFitness.com, Evolutionary.org. And these forums are where other steroid users, just like yourself, register and anonymously surf the forums, ask questions. I'm there all the time. Steve's there all the time. There's several other guys there. We just help each other out, share information, post uh, progress pictures, post personal post about our, our personal records lifting, log all of our progress. For, for, guy, for guys that do other things, it's a really great resource for you to just come in and be completely anonymous. It doesn't tie back into your Facebook. It doesn't tie back into your social. If you post, if you post about Dianabol or Anabar or, or any kind of questions there on the forums, you're not going to see that information then later on on YouTube and Google and everything like happens now. Shit, you can't even have a conversation with somebody in your car because then you're going to have ads for whatever you were talking about is amazing. Well, the forums are completely disconnected from all of that framework. You can come in and anonymously participate. Now, if you want to follow us on, on social, Facebook, you can find us there too, no problem. But if there are things you want to discuss that are real private, the forums are the place to go. And so we're doing a 10-part extended Q&A, questions that we've seen on the forums, some of them in the last two weeks, some of them in the last two years, just questions that have come up that we thought were interesting. Uh, some of these are just questions that come up over and over and over and over again, like our first question that we're going to start off with. So guys, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. If you're listening to on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Spotify, if you're listening to us on YouTube, anywhere that you're listening, make sure to hit that subscribe button. Make sure to subscribe so that the podcast downloads right to your right to your phone every week. We do two episodes per week. We're extremely consistent, and we have been now for, for the last few months. And two episodes per week, guys. Download it right to your phone. Don't even have to think about it. Make sure you subscribe now. These next topics that we're going to discuss over the next two podcasts are the best topics that we found on the forums over the last couple of years. You guys really need to listen. Let's go. All right, guys, let's get into the first topic. So the first one that came in, youngest, you should start using steroids and why? And we haven't really dug into this too much. I can say that what happens is, uh, let, me, let, me, let me tell you guys a little bit of the science. So what happens is when you use steroids, when you're too young is really any age, uh, this is going to happen. But what happens is you're, the exogenous hormones 
get in get into your system and they cause reproductive damage to your re reproductive system. And the reason it does that is an excess amount of hormones in the body, no matter how much you use. Now using more and using them for a long period of time is worse, but even if you use a small amount for a short period of time, it can make some damage because what happens is, is your pituitary glands get signaled to become suppressed, to become shut down. So if you're in the develop, developmental stage of developing your reproductive system, which we know from the science is into your mid twenties, your hormones are changing. A lot of things are happening. That's really the reason why when you're in you know, your late teens as a male, you're so horny all the time. I mean, you just can't stand it because you're so damn horny. And uh, a lot of teenagers, you know, they, they can't get laid, you know, uh, it's hard for a guy as a teenager, unless you're like the, the you know, captain of a football team in high school to, to get laid very often. So it really drives us crazy when we're that age. And we all went through that. But that's not actually from high testosterone levels. That's a misconception. That's from the, the hormonal changes going on in your body. You got things going crazy. You got estrogen going all over the place. You got testosterone going all over the place. The body's completely changing around. And this starts happening 12, 13, 14 years old. And then it keeps going into your mid-20s. So if you run steroids anytime during that time, you will disrupt that change in your body and you can have long-term consequences. In fact, I have not met anyone who used steroids under 22, 23, even 24, who now is in their 30s or 40s who doesn't have some sort of dysfunction going on, whether it be erectile dysfunction, libido problems, low testosterone, you know, problems with their hormones. So really you want to wait to use steroids at least 25, 26, maybe even 28, 29 to, for, and when it comes to your hormones and reproductive system. Now, before I let you in, Rick, it's not just about reproductive system. There's other factors. There's economic factors. Cycles cost hundreds of dollars. Cycles and PCT, you can run it. It can cost $1,000 for a cycle and PCT and support supplements and food and everything. So if you start blowing $1,000 here, $1,000 there, that's money you could be putting into your education. That could be money putting into a business. That's money you could be putting away, you know, um, for your future when you're in your 20s. So from an economic standpoint, it really doesn't make any sense to me for you to use steroids when you're in your 20s. From that standpoint, I don't care how much money you make. I don't care how brilliant you think you are. Blowing $1,000 here, $1,000 there doesn't make a lot of sense to me at all at that age. You know, we tend to blow money as it is on a lot of stupid shit at that age, but blowing it on steroids and supplements, that takes the cake. And then there's also the maturity aspect. Steroids can can make you feel a certain way, can make you behave a certain way. You know, are you ready for that? Now, there's some guys who are 25 or more mature than guys who are 45. That's just, that's a fact. I met a lot of stupid 45-year-olds. So, you know, it's a maturity aspect. Some people will mature at 25, some at 35, some never mature. They're like 60 years old, still living with their mom because they, they're immature. So, it really just depends on a particular person. But I would say all things considered, I would say waiting to your very late 20s at the earliest.
would be the time to use steroids. Um, Rick, I'm gonna let you rant on this one as well. Now, when it comes to um, just steroid use, training, bodybuilding, uh, Steve, as you were uh, giving your answer, I'm here, sitting here listening. I just type down a couple of quick guidelines. I, I want to give people guidelines out there, especially in these podcasts. So this is what I think my opinion. I have an 18-year-old son now. He just turned 18. And I've, ta- I've watched him grow up, and he's also into fitness. He, he's also a wrestler. I mean, he's just... He has the same interest I had. And what I did was I changed things for him growing up. When I was 15 years old, I already had my first job. I was carrying golf clubs at a, at a golf course. I was a caddy and I made good scratch. So I started buying supplements at 15, 16. I'd walk right into the supplement store and buy all kinds of stuff. Ephedrine even at the local supplement store. Nice old man had that store there for years sold me ephedrine over the counter when I was 16 years old. No problem. I don't want my son using supplements at all, even though I own a supplement company. So I've kept him away from doing any kind of supplements, tablets, or pills, or anything. Here's my guidelines that I think. Between the time you get started into fitness until you're about 18 on the low end, 21 ideally the high end, you want to take no pills, tablets, or powders, or nothing, really. You want to just have good balanced diet, Learn to develop the habits of the gym or of weightlifting. Make sure that the gym is a place to, you go to to meditate, to get unstressed. You know, many people out there feel like they, everything in their life needs to be right and unstressed before they can get to the gym. To really be good at this and make this a, a lifetime thing, the gym has to be the place you go to when you are stressed. It's got to be the place where you go to to relieve. And you have to build those habits first. Also, Make sure to manipulate your feeding first. You know, if you get a little cramped up, more bananas. You know, you, you want to gain weight a, a little faster, a little more strength, fish head broth. Plenty of milk, plenty of fruits. If you can, you know, if you can tolerate the, the milk, obviously. You know, just manip- manipulate with the natural foods that you can get. Take more of certain things or others to either get leaner or, or gain weight. You should learn with your feeding if you're into this. And, and develop the habits all the way to 18. There should be no pills that are a crutch. Now, on the low end, 18, high end, ideally 21, that's when you can add in like creatine, whey, aminos. It'll make a difference. That creatine will make a difference. If you've been training since you were 13, 14, lifting weights hard, um, which at 14, you can start lifting weights, my opinion. Um, 14, 15, most people. Uh, Obviously, you don't want to blow out your back and do crazy stuff, but you can do some serious resistance training at about 14, 15. Anything below that, calisthenics, body weight, push-ups, sit-ups, yes, body weight, all the way. Oh, that, that's, again, my guidelines, right? Aminos, creatine, whey. Uh, you can take and you should take anything that doesn't mess with your hormones at all. You shouldn't take anything to fuck with estrogen when you're that young, unless you're, you're, you're not overweight. If you're overweight and you have estrogen problems, that's your problem right there. Drop your body fat below, you know, in the low teens, you won't have estrogen problems anymore. You should be pretty natural, learning about your body, learning, learning about your diet, and just taking aminos, creatine, some of the real basic stuff, all the way until you're like 27 on the low end, 30 on the high end. Once you're 30, then you can get into testosterone boosters, 
then you can get into remistain. You can get into some of this stuff that's really, that can really uh, uh, shift your hormones. Then you can get into like some of the one DHEAs, four DHEAs, some of these other laxogenin, some of these other compounds, seven comma eight benzoflavone, some of these compounds that are now shifting the balance, lowering estrogen, raising the amount of androgens in your system, still somewhat natural, still not having to worry about pushing methylated stuff through your liver. And really, that's when you should start, 27 on the low end, 30 on the ideal end. You should be able to maintain that until you're about 35. I think 35 years old, it's about the time that any man should even consider steroids, really. I didn't do it that way. I was juicing at 21. That's why I can sit here and do this podcast for you guys today, right? But at 35, that's when it'll make a huge difference. Listen, you give a 21-year-old a 200-milligram shot of testosterone, or you give that 200-milligram shot of testosterone to a 35-year-old, 35-year-old is going to change his fucking life. He's going to be a different man for the next couple of weeks. That 21-year-old might just get a little anger, get, some, get some, uh, some pimples, blow up with water retention. He's already got high test, and you add more? Now you, now, you got a, now you got a rheumatization. It's a different story. 35, a little bit of testosterone will change your fucking life. And we all know that, all of us that have done it. And really, you should, be, you should just play the balance, steroids and natural testosterone boosters from 35 all the way until your 40s. And, 40, and then when you get to your 40s is the only time then you should maybe consider getting into things like human growth hormone and peptides. That's another realm now. See, that, that's, I'd say wait for androgens until 35. Wait for the peptides until 45. Human growth hormone, all those things. They, all those drugs, you take human growth hormone in your 20s, you got to take a lot with steroids to, I mean, to really, and you better be competing, like to really make a difference. Now you take half of that human growth hormone, a quarter of that amount when you're 45, It'll change, again, with the F word. Sorry, guys. It'll change your fucking life. That, it, it is what it is. So those are my guidelines for, for you guys out there to, to get to understand. Uh, you know, zero to 18, nothing. Good foods, good habits. That's when you build your base. And the base is mental. It's the mental base of making, pushing your body and training a lifelong endeavor. Build that base. After 21, then you can get, you know, 18 to 21, get your aminos in, start your creatine, L-leucine, all that good, just all the L's. You can start messing with the L's around that time. I probably wouldn't do the aspartic acid then, but 27 to 30, aspartic acid, tribulus, fedoja, agrestus, fenugreek, all these, arimistane, that's when you get testosterone boosters. 35 and 45, then you can juice. And you should be on testosterone boosters almost year-round. Just switch up different herbs. Should be a thing. 45 and on, then you could add human growth hormone along with the steroids. It's a long one, right? <laughs> yeah, you ran pretty good. So I'm going to let you ran on this one too. What should I not mix anabolic steroids with in terms of drugs? You know, a lot of guys, they use a lot of drugs these days. Uh, seems like every other, every other person's on five or six different drugs, Rick. Like and you got anti-anxiety drugs. You need sleep drugs. You need um, ADHD drugs or ADD drugs or schizophrenic drugs or, you know, uh, painkillers and 
I can go on and on. Like everybody's on a drug. I mean, I don't take a single drug ever. I don't need a fucking drug, but a lot of people do. The doctor starts putting them on drugs, then more drugs, then more drugs, then more drugs. And then they want to use steroids. So tell us about, tell us about this, Rick. Like what kind of drugs do you think that are okay with steroids and which ones are not, including like antibiotics, which people take like candy these days. You know, you ideally would want to be completely healthy before doing something as unhealthy as using steroids and the auxiliary drugs you use with the steroids to deal with the side effects. So my opinion, ideally you'd be taking nothing before you start your cycle. Nothing. You'd, you'd have a balanced diet. You'd be, you'd be fine. You'd be taking nothing for anything. But if you, if you absolutely seek my help and said, hey, I'm using, let me rephrase that. But if you absolutely are going to get on cycle and you could maybe already be taking something, what are some things that won't, what are some things that won't be such a big deal, my opinion? Antibiotics won't be such a big deal, uh, depending on which antibiotics they are. But for the most part, many bodybuilders use antibiotics going up to their shows to clear the skin up from all of the acne. Because even guys who can tolerate the drugs, they'll still sometimes get really bad acne when they're, when they're coming down. Antibiotics helps to really kill some of those infections from the inside out, along with obviously keeping their skin clean and you know, sun. Also, I found going for a dip in the pool. We said this before on the podcast, right? Going for a dip in the pool once or twice a week and getting some sun once or twice a week between, the, between being dipped in chlorine and the UV rays. But some guys use antibiotics. Uh, ADD medications, some of these stimulants. You know, if you definitely need them for work, and I understand because I've been diagnosed with ADHD, so I understand what it's like. If you definitely have to, I guess you could. My only problem with taking any stimulant with, with steroids, short of only caffeine, obviously, is that I just, you know, you already run a chance of enlarging in your heart and you already run a chance of, they, they can both affect your heart. And I, get, and I just get afraid, me personally, my opinion, that I could do something weird to the shape of my heart, mixing steroids with a, a, which is basically like an amphetamine, you know, even guys who go out there and party with cocaine and meth and things like that. A lot of bodybuilders think that the only thing they have to stay away from is alcohol and they're wrong. I just think, and I, I haven't seen a study for this, right. On, on people using both steroids and and cocaine or both steroids and, and amphetamines or both steroids and Adderall. Like, I don't have a study for this, obviously. But just from putting two and two and three together from different sources of information, it would seem to me that doing something like that, uh, maybe like a stimulant every day with the steroids, can, can come together to fuck with your heart. To fuck with your heart and... That's what I probably wouldn't, wouldn't get into. Um, you, you know, you ideally want to be healthy. That, that's the main, that's my main, my, my main point on this. At the end of the day, look, I know it's not realistic, guys. I mean, and it's not your fault. 
a lot of you younger guys, especially like you grew up and anytime you had, you know, a tummy ache, your parents would take you to the doctor and what did the doctor do? You know, uh, put you on a drug. All right, here's a drug. Here's a pres prescription. Take this every day. And then they'll, uh, you had a bad day at school or something, or a girl broke up with you, or you got a test you got to study for and you're stressed out over it. So your parents, again, they take you to the doctor. Oh, my kid's stressed out. Okay, no problem. Here's a prescription for some anxiety medication. I mean, it's ridiculous. And we get put on these drugs that don't do anything except make you more sick. And pretty soon you're taking five, six drugs, Rick. Yeah. You know, and it's not, there's no such thing as all this, these, these ailments. We never had these ailments before. We, yeah. We never, we never, we never had them. It's I, I all, never, it's all, it's all on I people's, know. you know, you know and, and you know, bro, you know what, bro, some people listening to this, that maybe all of these medications, they're getting really upset right now. Like you don't fucking know what you're talking about. Well, look, um, we didn't have all these pills to get your brain right. All the way when we were running away from saber-toothed tigers in the savannah, we did not have this, okay? When we were hunting down mammoths, we did not have any of this, and we made it just fine. All the way to the turn of the last, what is it now, last 30 years that we've had these brain medications that people somehow now think that we, we need? Look, it's just not. If you're taking medication for anxiety, for, for, you know, for some kind of not, not good feelings that you have, and you haven't taken care of the basics, like you're not really exercising often, very often. If you're not, look, if just regular exercise in a gym is a little too boring, maybe you need to get in and learn how to box, learn, learn how to rock climb, go, go mountain bike, just do something that'll raise adrenaline, that'll make you feel like you can die. And then you come back home and you feel fine. Yeah, that's a good, like, I think a lot of people could probably find a lot of improvement in, in the way they feel every day if they engage in activities where they, in a control setting, brought themselves to the point where they feel like they could be seriously hurt, seriously injured, or die. And then from there, you come back, nothing actually happened, and then you, you come back to reality, heart rate goes back down, then you go, you go home. And I think if, you, if, if you're not doing that, you know, whether it could be at a jiu-jitsu gym or it could be, you know, down a hill on a bike or climbing up a rock or boxing or really doing something that brings you there, you know, surfing, anything, anything that, that brings you to that brink where you're like, holy shit, I might, I might fucking die here today. So I need to just be careful. If you're not doing those things, exercise, good, good diet. I, I've said it on the podcast before. I suffered with what I thought was anxiety for many years. And it was just a really terrible balance of my gut bacteria. That once it got corrected, that anxiety I'd suffered with over a decade went away in a matter of days. I just use probiotics. Now I take probiotics pretty much every day. Different brands. I don't yeah. sell them. I just, I just buy whatever. So if you're not doing those basic things, good diet training often engaging in some activity that that graces your adrenaline levels you know and not everybody needs to have their adrenaline levels raised mind you but if you're taking medications because you're not feeling good then maybe try 
get, get engaged in those activities that get your adrenaline going, make you feel like you can get hurt or die, and then you come back and you're fine, and see if that doesn't take away a lot of, uh, and see if that doesn't take away a lot of those feelings that that create that need to take stuff. Yeah, and eighty-eight percent of people are metabolically sick, so I don't want. I just want to be clear. Um, because what Rick said, what Rick said, oh, you know, a lot of you are screaming right now and you're cursing at me. Look, I, I'm not blaming the victim on this. Like I said, it's like I said before, it's not your fault that you're on all these drugs. It's not your fault that you have all these feelings and stuff. It's not your fault. It has a lot to do with technology, the way your parents raised you, as a deal with the way that society tells you you're supposed to behave. Listen, I've been suicidal before, bro. If it was easy to commit suicide, I would have done it a long time ago, bro. I've had a lot of ups and downs in my life and I wanted to kill myself. You know what? It's normal to have ups and downs. It's normal to have a bad day. It's normal to have a bad hour. There's ups and downs. That's just life, man. And life's tough. Life is very, very tough out there. And you know what? It could be worse. It could be worse. A lot of people who have way worse lives, but that's not really the point. The point is I'm not blaming the victim. I never blame the victim. I never, never point the finger at people when it comes to this stuff. But at the end of the day, you need to get your body healthy. You need to get your mind healthy, physically, emotionally. And then once you're balanced, then you can run the steroids. Then you can use these PEDs and you'll, the magic will happen. But if you're taking six, seven drugs, okay, and you're messed up mentally and physically, you're hurt, then there's no reason to use steroids, period. And, right. listen, and, and again, guys, we'll, we'll have the disclaimer at the end of the show, neither Steve or I are doctors. So our, what we're saying is our opinion, and it's obviously not to go over your doctor's advice. However, you have to really question when things have gotten so far down that, that people are being prescribed four or five or six different drugs to be on every single day. But, but maybe they're not required by their doctor to, to go in and change their lifestyle habits for the better. And I think, you know, there, there should be like, you know, before you're allowed to get a, some drugs to, to help you with depression and stuff, maybe the doctor needs to go through like, Hey, I'm not going to give you these drugs unless we take care of one. You need to drop about 20 pounds of body fat. And two, you need to incorporate exercise into your life. If we do, do if we do, do those two things and you don't feel any better, then maybe we would start looking at some drugs because there's something obviously wrong. But if you walk in there and you're just, and you're just upset because when you go to the mall, nothing fits, nothing fucking fits. If you're in there and you're feeling sad because every picture you take, you just don't look good there. And then when you sit at the table, you, you could have that salad. You could have that, those good items, but no, you, you indulge in bad stuff. Now you've, you're putting your lifestyle and, your, and the things that you want out of life, you're putting them in conflict. So now you go into the dock and the doc's not going to help you get that conflict undone. He's just going to maybe complicate it more by giving you a drug that's supposed to deal with the fact that you're sad because you don't exercise and you're just not happy with the way you look. That's it. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, so next one, guys, is sushi healthy? Um, so funny story. I once, I once um, met this girl and she tells me, she's like, she got a make or break question. And I'm like, okay, shoot. She's like, do you like sushi? 
And I was like, I never had sushi in my life. So I was like, I, I just wanted the pussy. You know what I'm saying? I was young at the time. I just wanted to get laid. So I was like, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love sushi. You kidding me? Let's go out next weekend. <laughs> you know? So Rick's laughing in the background, by the way. He likes, he loves my jokes. I, I like it. I like it when you actually make voices like there are other people. I just did that a little bit earlier in the podcast. I like it. You, you like it. You like it too much. So guys, <laughs> let's talk about sushi. So what is sushi? It's it's seaweed. Sometimes there's avocado with it. Sometimes it was wasabi, which is like cabbage. There's rice vinegar. Sometimes there's cucumber, mayonnaise, soy sauce, sesame, seafood. Um, you know, there's all kinds of ingredients that's put into sushi. So it's from Japan. It's a Japanese dish originally, and now it's been just like a lot of other things from other countries has been Americanized um, in North America. And of course, they take something that's supposed to be healthy and they make it unhealthy. So if you go to a restaurant in the United States and you order sushi, is it healthy? The short answer is no, it's not. Because they add a lot of hydrogenated oils to it, which are gonna talk, which are gonna talk about in the next topic. They add a lot of sugar, they add a high fructose corn syrup, they add a lot of preservatives, all this stuff. And you can you notice when you're looking at sushi, you buy it from the store, like the first or second ingredient is soybean oil. And then the seafood that they use in the sushi, it's just farm-raised shrimp or farm-raised fish, the cheapest, the cheapest, the cheapest. You know that what they actually use? I know a lot of parts of the United States and the Asian uh, towns, they use something, uh, something called a ribbon fish. A ribbon fish is a disgusting junk fish, okay, that you can only catch basically when um, they dump like uh, pesticides and, and lake river water into the ocean. And then the river fish come, uh, they like that type of dirty water and you can catch them in the dirty water. I mean, I've caught them before myself. Um, or you can catch them at night when it's dark. They, they love like dark water and disgusting water. So around sewage, you know, and stuff. So that's the, that's the type of fish they use in sushi. So again, it's, it's a typical thing. It's just like Italian food or even your food, uh, Rick, you know, like Cuban food and his, you know, Spanish food. It's, it gets Americanized. It'd be like, it'd be like saying, I'm going to go to Taco Bell and get a taco. I mean, it's, it's just not authentic or anything. So the best thing you do with sushi to make it healthy is go to a health food store, buy these ingredients from scratch, make it yourself. The only oil you should be using is raw, unrefined coconut oil. Don't be, you know, using like canola oil or refined oils in it. And then you can make it, make it healthy, get wild caught fish, get wild caught shrimp. If you want to add seafood to it, you know, make sure you read the ingredients on this, on the seaweed, a lot of seaweeds. Um, a lot of bad stuff in these seaweeds, guys. Um, it's really hard to find good, authentic, uh, pure seaweed these days. It's all processed and, and basically garbage. So you want to make sure you're using the soy sauce. Perfect example. Look at what's in soy sauce. It's got like 30 ingredients. It's horrible for you. Mayonnaise, same thing. 30 ingredients. It's horrible for you. But you got to get the high quality soy sauce. You got a high quality mayonnaise. They have that at a health food store. It's probably going to cost you twice as much as the, the cheap brand, but at least it's not going to make you sick. And at least it's not going to make your body get a reaction when, when you get it. So if you ever go eat sushi out at a restaurant and you get sick afterwards, your stomach feels a little weird. 
you'll that's not a that's not a coincidence guys that is because they put a lot of crap in that food guys a restaurant has to add a lot of garbage to their food to preserve it so it doesn't go bad they're all about making a profit they're all about their their inventory which is the food not going bad so if you love sushi that's great you better know what's in it and restaurants have no obligation to tell you what they put in their food so that that sushi fish that you think you're eating is probably the cheapest garbage fish that nobody even keeps so i just want to add something to, to what steve said uh i'm not even worried about the restaurant or whatnot i i've cut fish back way way a lot over the last couple of years it i love fish and i used to eat fish quite a bit before but i always knew in the back of my mind that the waters are contaminated pretty much all over the place. That farm-raised fish are fed bits of fish that are caught in the ocean. And the contamination levels in fish have steadily been rising. So I was kind of waiting for, for that tipping off point where it's like, all right, well, the macros in the fish don't justify the contamination that I'm getting along with it. I've got to tell you guys, since I dropped fish out of my diet, I've been feeling pretty darn good. I can't quite explain to you and describe to you all of the different things, but it's been different. I think I probably, I probably dropped a, per, a couple of permanent points of body fat from having dropped fish. Why? How? I don't fucking know. What was in there making it harder for me to stay lean? I don't fucking know. But as funny as it sounds, once I drop fish, I, it's been pretty easy to stay lean. I think the contamination has gotten the worst probably last 10 years, 5, 10 years. The rate at which this stuff is getting contaminated, it's just, it's just insane. Some airplanes, not all of them, not every time, but some, they just have to dump some of their fuel before they land, make the plane lighter, you know, regulations. Again, not every time, but sometimes they do. It's a lot of mercury everywhere. Everything we put in our lawns, everything you've ever sprayed in your lawn to get rid of the weeds will run off into the ocean eventually. So it's, it's just a soup of chemicals. They're, it's just not a good place to be eating from anymore, unfortunately, and that's my advice. Now, when I help people with their diet, I explained this to them. I said, look, macro-wise, macros-wise, if you could afford it, just eat salmon and tuna all day long. And that'll ju we'll just make that the base of your diet, salmon, tuna, shrimp, lobster. We'll make this the base of your diet. And then we can throw vegetables, fruits, and, and fiber, some grains and stuff on top of that. But I mean, but, 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 but. It's a great idea, macros, if you look at it on paper. But lobsters are bottom feeding. Um, you know, shrimp, some of these farm-raised shrimp, they are, especially when they come from China, some of these farm-raised fish, some of these farm-raised shrimp, oh boy, let me tell you. One of, my, one of my favorite fish to eat was panga. Panga. Comes from Vietnam, I believe. 
watched the nice documentary on, on the river that feeds all of these farms. Gave up the penga. I used to make an incredible white fish. I used to make an incredible white fish ceviche with penga. That thing is like cotton. It just sucks up the lime juice. It's incredible. It's the best white, white fish ceviche you've ever had if you use penga. The, penga doesn't taste like much, and it sucks up. I mean, it's incredible. I could have I ate a big plate of that every day and gotten a bunch of protein. But look at where it's coming from. So I just don't think fish is, is – that, that's my um, – That's the that's one my, of the worst fish, man, importing yeah. uh, basa, oh. one of the worst fish, just like tilapia. Basa, yeah, basa, panga, basa, yeah, yeah. yeah oh, absolutely. from Asian farms. They're, they're farm-raised. All right, guys. So next topic is a good one. Now, this is a topic you're not going to hear on, a, on the, any other podcast or anything. Nobody talks about it. And it's dirty oils found on our foods to avoid. This is a big one. This can change your life overnight. So there's eight of them, Rick. Do you know these eight, Rick? Can you name them off the top of your head? The eight bad oils? You, you, you yeah, <laughs> you can't name them. Okay. Canola oil, corn oil, cottonseed oil, Soybean oil, sunflower oil, safflower oil, grapeseed oil, and rice bran. Those are the eight. That's the hateful eight. Why, right there. why is why is grapeseed bad? All right, so I'm I'm gonna let's let me get into this. So these oils, guys, these are oils that are refined. These are oils that are refined from from plants. Okay, and there's. Uh, I'm going to link it in the bio. You can go on and read all this information. But ever since these oils were introduced into our foods, they make their preservatives. Ever since they were introduced to our foods, our, met our metabolisms have just gone off a cliff. And now 88% of us in the United States have poor metabolic health. 88%. That's a crazy number, Rick. That's like what? Do the math on that. It was like what? What? Seven out of eight people have bad metabolic health. And a big reason for that, it's not the only reason, but a big reason for that is these oils. And we know that these oils just, they keep throwing these oils in our foods constantly. Um, if you go and you, you go eat out at a fast food, like Chipotle, for example, they use sunflower oil in their food. Why do they use sunflower oil? Why put something that's not good for you in their food? It's because it's a great preservative. It's cheap and it tastes good. It's something they can add to, to the food that makes it taste good. And it's something they can cook the food in without spending a lot of money. So guys, those eight, okay, it's an experiment that we've been doing since these have been put in our food. And the experiment is, has not gone well. Cancer rates are sky high. Diabetes are sky high. Illness is sky high. Mental problems are sky high. These are called high PUFA seed oils. They destroy your immune system as well. They just put a lot of pressure on, and stress on the body. So you need to basically go to your pantry right now and look at what's in your pantry. And if there's canola, corn, cotton seed, cottonseed, soy, sunflower, safflower, grapeseed, or rice bran oils in your food, you need to eliminate those foods. Very, very hard to do. If you eat out, you're going to get 
one of these eight oils in your food. There's no doubt about it because these restaurants, that's what they put in their food. And these oils, guys, are so bad for you. I'm going to link the article in the description. You guys can go read about it. Nobody is talking about this. Nobody. And it should be talked about. If you eliminate these oils, you will literally feel better the next day. You will feel 100% better the next day. It's time to do it. So what do you cook with? Unrefined, organic, co uh, coconut oil is what I use. Period. What I use is, I, what I use yeah. as well. You can cook, you I, can cook I, I anything I use coconut oil and coconut flour in my cooking. Exactly. Oil. Coconut flour. There it is. Yeah, you can cook anything with coconut oil and it works great, guys. But you need to get these oils out of your out of your house. Get them out. Don't put them in your body. Now, if you go out to a you like to go out to eat at a restaurant, you like to get, you know, Chipotle every now and then. Is it the end of the world that you're going to be getting these oils? No, it's not the end of the world. Would you be healthier to eliminate them completely? Yes. Chipotle is not hard to make at home. You can make the same exact food at home using coconut oil. Very, very easy to do. Everybody, though, is lazy. They don't want to make their own food, but you have to. You cannot trust these food companies and these restaurants to feed you healthy. You have to feed yourself healthy, guys. So, again, check out that article. And, Rick, to answer you your know, question, you why? Know, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. But to answer your question, why is it bad? Read the article. It's all in the article. Um, these, none of these oils belong in our body and it's an experiment that has gone severely wrong over the past 20, 30 years. All right. I'll check it out. I'll, I'll dig into that deeper because I always thought grapeseed was all right. It's not what I prefer. I've used it, but I like coconut oil. It's, I know it's good for me and also the taste it gives the food, whatever you're making. It's a nice taste. It goes well with salt. It goes well with, with anything that's a little sweeter touch. All right, guys, so really quick, I'm going to go over the list. Remember, this has to be not processed and not refined, okay? Olive oil. Problem with olive oil, though, a lot of fakes out there, but you got to get the real pure olive oil. That's very hard to find, um, so be very, very careful. Avocado oil, peanut oil. Yeah, there, there are oil faking mafias out there where yeah. they, they have yeah. a whole business where they're selling you stuff that is not the oils that they tell you on the label. I mean, there's a whole business. Yeah, it's actually legal to sell olive oil that's not even olive oil. So you have to – I had a podcast guest on a couple of years back who's an expert on this. He said look for the California label, and that will tell you if it's legit or not. But I'm not sure if that still holds true. But um, anything you get from Spain or Italy or uh, Europe is going to be fake. It's going to be fake olive oil, 100%. And then you got the coconut oil, like we mentioned, macadamia nut oil, cocoa butter, almond oil, and unrefined, make sure it's unrefined palm kernel oil. Um, and those are good to, to use. And um, if you, you know, um, use those, your health can get reversed very, very quickly if you get rid of the, the bad oils and switch it for the good oils, guys. Very, very important. And, and these good oils are actually necessary in our diets and we don't get enough of the good oils. Uh, most Americans get none, Rick, zero, zero good oils, zero good fats, none. They don't get any in, in their diet. All right, guys. So the last question, uh, this one, uh, long distance relationships worth it. So uh, Rick, I'm bringing you in on this cause I just, uh, I need to catch my breath after that rant. Um, have you ever been in a long distance relationship? Uh, you've traveled quite a bit. 
And uh, how, how, what do you think about those? All I have is long distance relationships. That's all I, that, that's all I got, bro. <laughs> I, don't, I, I travel quite a bit. I have responsibilities in, in different locations. I've, I've created a pretty, pretty complicated life for myself. So um, yeah, I have a child in, in Colombia. I have two kids in New York. I have a business in Las Vegas. So absolutely, uh, all I have is long distance relationships. So here's what I can offer you guys as far as long distance relationships. You know, if you go back and you listen to all these podcasts, every, every single guy out there or getting divorced guy or whatever, and you go all the way to the back and listen to the relationship advice, it'll all come together. It'll all come together. So here it is about long distance relationships. Number one, don't lie to yourself about her. Okay, let's start off there. You know who she is. You know what she's about. But we lie to ourselves about people that we want to incorporate into our lives. We tell ourselves that they're trustworthy when you can obviously tell that they're not. We tell, ourselves, we tell ourselves that these patterns of behavior that we don't approve of, that they engage in, that they just do it for some, some good reason that they have to engage in, in patterns of behavior that we know are not, are not any good. So don't lie to yourself about the person. And once you don't lie to yourself about the person, then you know exactly that you know exactly if they're good for a long distance relationship or not, if they're good to pour your heart and your soul into it or not. And then also, don't be um, don't be afraid of just having an, an open relationship. You know, a lot of the times, and sometimes you just have to, you know, you have to be ready. And sometimes you just got to level with the person, especially if you. If you have a, a younger lady, you know, her early 20s and, and she's still a little bit dumb, you got to just say like, look, um, you know, let's not, let's not make a, a false commitment. You know, you, you're obviously young or you obviously hang out with other folks in, 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 a, romantic, in a romantic context and, and you can continue to do that uninhibited. I, I just know that's how it is and we're good. And we're fine. And we can, we can long distance it up. And, and look, even if she's dating other guys, as long as you kind of know it goes on anyway, she could still be good to have a nice conversation one night before bed. I mean, it's cool. Just don't get all possessive and don't get all like she's supposed to be waiting for you and all of this stuff. Uh, it's just not worth it. So as far as um, long distance relationships, even to make the conversation even shorter, as long as it doesn't wreck your mind, as long as it doesn't wreck your brain and get in the way of your personal progress with work and your, and your career and, and, and your goals, yeah. And the only way that is not going to get in the, in the way of your goals and everything that you want to do and achieve in life, this, this, this long-distance relationship, is if, if one, you're honest with yourself about whom she is, and two, if you guys are both open with each other and tell each other the truth and make the proper packs, make the proper agreements, you know, the, you know, her going out with another dude only really matters if you guys have made a pact of exclusivity. If you have made a pact of exclusivity, then obviously that fucking hurts. But if she goes out with some other dude and you kind of already know that, that she might or she would, then you're fine. At least I am. I mean, it... It doesn't define, what she does doesn't define me. What she goes out and, and, and does when she's not around me or what she says to other guys or how she behaves with another man or if he's whatever, it doesn't define me. It, I don't give a fuck. Where, where the problem comes in is when you've made an agreement with me, a pact with me, and then you go and, and you go back on it. Now you're, you're a liar. 
Now you're a little bit fucking crazy to me because we could have just we could have just been chill, you know, no no commitment. We I promise I asked I asked you at the start, but you said commitment, and now you're playing games. Now you're crazy. Outside from just from on top of being a liar, now you are your mind. Now you now you're showing psychopathic behavior, right? So you have to not lie to yourself about this person. You have to not lie to yourself about who she is. And, and, and with that, then you know what you can and can't do. What do you think, Steve? The longest, uh, longest uh, relationship, long distance that I've had was a six and a half hour drive. And the reason for that is she got a job, which took her to a different city across, you know, across the state. So if we wanted to see each other, it was either, you know, a plane, uh, about an hour, hour and a half plane ride, or it was a six and a half hour drive. So um, in that situation, you know what? I didn't mind it too much, you know, because, you know, we would see each other once a month. I'd either drive up to her or she'd drive up down to me or she would fly down to me or I, you know, fly to her, you know, and it worked pretty good. I mean, I mean, the sex was fantastic. When you don't see someone for a long time and then you see each other, those hormones build up, man, like crazy. And then you see each other and you love each other. And then we moved in together and we're living, living with each other. And man, it just got boring and dull. You see that person every day. They annoy the shit out of you. They wake you up early in the morning. They keep you up playing, you know, uh, you know, playing the TV at night. She gets, she gets annoying. So there could be advantages to a long distance relationship. But do I agree with you that it's okay if that person, you know, screws someone else? No, I don't agree with that. If you're in a monogamous relationship with that person, it shouldn't be like it that. It depends what packs you make. But, but here's what the thing. You make. Yeah, because you can, you can be clear about, about things from the beginning. Like you but can, the pack doesn't mean anything, right? Because women are going to do what they want to do, and you're going to do what you want. No, some are not. You're sitting there and saying, and you already had a kiss, and you get to that conversation about what are we and all this stuff, and you say, look, I travel a lot. You're gorgeous. I'm sure you're going to still want to do your thing. And if I'm not here to take you out to dinner, take you out somewhere to a movie or whatever, and you have other gentlemen that, that want to take you, they enjoy, that you enjoy spending time with, then it's fine. I don't want to sit, I don't want to go away thinking about this. And you, and you put it all there. You, you, you make it, you make it. So, and if she fights you back, if she says, no, I don't want that. Like, I, I just want to be with you. I just, you know, maybe, maybe she's a keeper. Maybe she's, you got something. But if you if you if you throw that bait out there and she takes it, snatches it up, then listen, you need to just enjoy the time with her for which for, for what it is. Don't get your head all, all pumped up about her. If you if you gave her the option to, to to and you don't, you know, don't sit there and say it in the context of like, you know, I got other girls I want to see. You say, hey, I'm sure you got plenty of men interested. You're gorgeous, you're you're great, you're wonderful. Hey, that's why I'm here. So you can go ahead and do your thing. I just don't want to sit there and think about it. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't want to think that you're, that you're only with me or you're only mine when, when it's, it's really not the case. I'm, 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 I'm good as long as I know, you know? And, um, and if she goes for it, she takes the bait, you know, if she, she wants then you just, again, you kind of already knew she would before you even said that out loud, but then she, you just know, you just know, I, 
listen, I'm fine being romantic with, with, with someone. I just want to know what the rules are, you know? And, and, and as long as we both agree on the rules and we're not telling each other lies or, or saying you do one thing and saying you do one thing and go turn around and do another, you're fine. You know, we, we, we're, we're good. Like you wouldn't like, okay. Okay. So here's the thing. You've been the other man in other situations where, you know, she's got a, a boyfriend or a husband, whatever the fuck. And you're, you're still screwing her. Right. You've, you've been that guy before. So what's the big deal. If you just like, she's kind of single scene, maybe a dude or two out there, whatever. And you kind of just see her and you also now have an open door to, to see whomever you want. Cause I've actually seen guys and this is something women do pretty effectively. I've seen guys that they are the other man to some lady, but she makes them be faithful. So she'll be like with her husband and then the other dude will have to check in anyway. Like he still has to check in. So that's, you know, I've seen that actually in people that I've known, <laughs> funny enough. So, I mean, what is, it, listen, I just think if you just honest from the start, no lies, you're just honest about things. And you're willing to lose. If you're honest about things to the point where you're willing to lose, you'll be fine. You'll never get into any trouble. I like one. I like, I like not living with a person. You have your place. They got their place. And you're like, you know, like maybe 15, 20 minutes away. That to me is the most ideal situation. You, you, you stay, spend the night together once, maybe twice a week. That to me is the most ideal situation. This way, you can do your thing. She can do your thing. You see each other. Living with someone, I don't really like. And then also, long distance, I don't really like because you only see them once a month. So I like kind of something in between that, me personally. How about you, Rick? You know what? I just like the person and, and whatever the situation entails. We'll just we'll take it from there. But, you know, you just... You just, I mean, I like just. So you wouldn't be able to like date a girl who lives with you. You don't. I've, like li I've lived with someone. I've but you didn't like it. A couple of times. Uh, in that particular situation, I, I, I decided it was time to go. I decided it was time to go. But I enjoyed it. I enjoyed living with someone. I, I really, really did. She was great. She was awesome. I just. You know, for one reason or the other, which I get into on the podcast, I just knew it was time to go. And, and it was hard to go because she wasn't doing anything wrong. It was just time to go for, you know, different reasons. Family things on her end, things on mine. I just knew, like, this is not, this is not going to get anywhere. Yeah. So, All right. So, so I have a surprise to go. I have a surprise for you, Ray. Conchita is on the line. Hey, Conchita, <laughs> tell us what happened. In the, in the <laughs> this guy. Well I, got a, well, I got a surprise for you. This guy named Frank on the line. He says you were screwing his wife about two years ago. <laughs> now you're going to say this is Frank on the line. He, he dated you. The guy <laughs> that dated you. Bob is, on the, Bob is on the line, and he says his baby mama left the kid with him for two weeks to go with you to Jamaica. Huh? What is up with that? Why are you why are you screwing everybody's baby mama out there, man? I know baby mama. I love the baby mama. The 40 
The hottest chicks are forty-two to forty-five years old. Why are you? Why? Why can't skinny. you get, get your own baby, mama? Why are you screwing? Skinny, else? and if they got a kid, oh my god, they're so nurturing. Why don't you? Why don't you just get one? Why don't you get your own baby mamas, man? Instead of you know what? You have. I'm gonna steal one of yours. You got <laughs> how many baby mamas? How many kids? Two baby mamas. I got two baby mamas. Two, two baby mama. More like both six. Of them, both of them Colombian too. You know who else has two baby mama? Tom Brady. Tom Brady has two. Did you know that? Yeah. You didn't That's know that. I, I didn't know that. You didn't know that. You don't follow. You don't follow football. You follow football. You don't follow football. <laughs> All right, guys. Listen. So, so, um, so guys, to, to 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 sum it up, don't tell yourself lies about who the person is. Also, don't you know? Don't tell yourself lies. Either too bad or too good. Just. Be real. Be real, real. And don't sit there and take everybody else's advice around you. You just got to be like real, real. And, and as long as, if you, if you find yourself going out of your way in your mind to justify behavior that is on the outside, obviously bad, you're already telling your, yourself lies. Don't, don't sit there and justify grossly bad behavior to her unique situation. Oh, she just, yeah, she's real. She shouldn't be doing that. But, you know, just her, you know, it's just because in her... When she does it, she's not a scumbag for doing it because, because it's just her. You know, her, you just don't understand her. Yeah, and once you start doing that, you're like, oh, dude, you're, you're, oh, dude, you're telling yourself a bunch of lies, bro. Cut it out. All right, guys, so this does it for this podcast. We have another Q&A coming up. Tell us, um, you want to add anything, Rick, about the next Q&A? Guys, the next Q&A podcast is the best here. Here's what we got for you. We got number one. What steroids you should never mix together? What steroids you should never mix together? Two, how to never get screwed by a source. Three, how much weight should I start with as a teenager? And if you have a teenage son how to, or a little brother or, or, or just somebody that looks up to you that's young, how to keep them off drugs. Number four, why are so... Why are there so many diets? And let's talk about the most popular ones. And number five, how to make your girl get over a fight real easy, real fast. Like how to, how to help her, how to make your girl get over a fight really fast. You know, that's the number five. So uh, make, sure to check out the, the, make sure to check out the next podcast for that one. And uh, now we're going to finish up the podcast. All right, guys. Cease me and Ray, another episode of Evolution Radio. We'll talk to you guys very, very soon for the next podcast. Have a good one. Have a good one, Steve. Have a good one, guys. Guys, this is the required legal disclaimer. We are only sharing our experience from years of steroid use. We are not doctors, and none of what we say should be regarded as medical advice. Always check with your doctor before taking any drugs or starting any training program.